asteroid prison? That's insane. And the bounty hunters dress as like 80s pop stars and people in the town. It's just, it's a very strange, unique story. It feels yeah. like, I mean, those teeth on them are just terrifying. Yeah. And also they can throw spikes that poison you. I thought people were going to transform. Yeah. And also, I mean, they ha they have the kind of uh, voiceover word thing, like the trash pandas in uh, Great Outdoors. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Our mission is to take you on a most excellent adventure through time. Buzz in the Tower is so much more than a podcast. It's the map to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. And all you have to do is sit back, listen, and repeat after me. Klaatu! Barata! <clears throat> Buzz in the Tower answers the questions you didn't even know you had. Like who would win in a fight, John Rambo or Hans Gruber? Or who is dreamier, Jake Ryan or Marty McFly? So as we rank, debate, and offer fresh takes of the best of the best from 80s cinema, please remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to a podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Don't forget to subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For bonus content, you can find us on all social media channels by searching our handle at Buzz in the Tower. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us with topics you'd like us to talk about, visit our website, buzzinthetower.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, thetower.com. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Verde Media. Max, I couldn't be happier with the way our website looks. So good. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to take a look at our website yet, you need to right away. These guys, website development, online marketing, they are outstanding. Am I exaggerating at all? It is so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend having them build you one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, look, they're the best of the best. And working with John, uh, their owner, a self-admitted 80s martial arts movie nerd was an absolute joy. Is that why you said the best of the best? That is why I said yeah. that was a tip of the hat to John. Um, they're more than our sponsor. They're our partner. And if you are looking to build a website, they are the group to go to. Uh, find their link on our website and check them out, Verde Media. Today's episode, 80s Horror Favorites. King, Cronenberg, Carpenter, Holland, Kubrick, and Landis all have the distinct honor of scaring the absolute hell out of a generation of moviegoers. The 80s produced cult and blockbuster classics that 40 years later are often imitated, never duplicated. What better way to pay tribute to these masters of fright than to spend an hour talking about our favorite kills, stories, and elements of 80s horror. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the children to my corn, Max Sanders. And with that... He wants you too, Malachi. He wants you too. I don't like that you can do that voice. Children of the Corn is horrifying. Linda Hamilton. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> that whole movie is terrifying. Children in movies are scary in horror movies. Whoa, whoa you're taking stealing a little bit of my thunder. What? I've got that as a topic that we're going to talk about today. That wasn't a genre we picked, it's, though. It's still something that's going to come up frequently. Okay. Max, we are in the thick of Oktoberfest. Groovy. Not the fun kind of Oktoberfest that has beer in it. <laughs> Have you been there? No. Max, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. 
Scary stuff, Max. <laughs> I don't like scary stuff. So I know I always give you hell about like not watching scary movies, but I have to tell you in preparing for this episode and rewatching about a dozen of my favorite horror films that I haven't seen in 15 years from the 80s. It messed with my head a little Were bit. Were you creeped out? I had nightmares. Some of the, well, yeah, but you, you always like, I don't use you as my barometer. You're scared of everything. So before anything else, 80stees.com, our, our sponsor, they've got some fantastic horror shirts if you haven't uh, looked into the genre yet. So check them out and also swing by our TikTok and take a look for our Buzz in the Tower flybys and you can win a $50 gift card at 80stees.com. Awesome sponsor, awesome shirts, and I highly recommend you check it out. Max, this episode's fun because, and maybe it's a little, little bit misleading in the name we gave it, 80s Horror Favorites. But it's not just our favorite movies. In fact, it's really not at all our favorite movies. No, there's like an Oscar nominee kind of thing. A little bit. We created some pretty cool categories. MTV Movie Award kind of categories. Yeah. We created these kind of subgenres, um, these categories that we were going to give our favorites on. And I feel good about our sweet spot in 80s movies, but we're the weakest in horror films of we, all of them. Yeah. But I mean, I watched Frankenhooker, so... <laughs> Probably before we started this podcast. <laughs> it sounds like an interesting title. So we're going to go through these classifications. The only rule, we only have one rule, can't go to the same movie twice. That's it. And they're all in the 80s. Thanks, Max. <laughs> Why? And I'm glad you clarified. It's a good thing for those listening. They're, yes, they're all in the 80s. Although, you, say, you say Halloween all the time, and I have to remind you it's not in the 80s. But there are other Halloween movies that are in the 80s. Yes, two through four, yeah. right? So don't worry. I have some backdoor ways that I got a few of my favorites in there. Because this is hard, because my favorite horror films, a lot of which are in the 80s, but my like ringer dingers are in the 90s. Like <laughs> ringer, dingers? ringer dingers. Okay. The big ones. Seven. Silence that's of the Lambs. That's a horror movie, Seven. That's a horror movie. Is it? Yeah. No. Yes. That's an inspiring Silence movie of the Lambs? about <laughs> believing in your dreams. This is like you and your therapist. Yeah. The movie Seven. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is a thriller. Psychological it's, it's, a, it's a horror film. No, it's, it's a horror not. Film. It absolutely is a horror film. Okay. I'm not fighting with you. It absolutely is. So uh, let's start with our first category, which is favorite classic. So favorite classic doesn't mean obviously a classic horror film out of the 80s. It means a film in the 80s that is focused on your classic horror film themes like Dracula, Frankenstein. Werewolves. Werewolves. Yeah, like those are classics. Mummies. And there are a bunch of them. And mummies did not make a strong showing in the 80s. No, the mummy rules. The then. mummy does rule, but uh, the uh, other ones did not. So anyways, that's swamp our thing. That's our first yeah, Swamp Thing. That's Toxic our Avenger count? I don't think that's... No, no. that's not classic. No, because that's toxic. Yeah, that's <laughs> nuclear... <laughs> I love how you confuse the listeners by asking questions that diffuse my explanation, but that's fine. In a world. <laughs> so our favorite classics. Max, why don't you start us off? You love making me start. Yeah, I do. I Because I, I think the best way to tease the audience is you give them an appetizer and then you bring in the steak. I knew I'm you the were steak. Gonna, you know, you like, it's that. about it's true. You look like a steak. I do feel like a steak. <laughs> I sizzle like a steak. <laughs> All right, Max, what do you got for your favorite classic-based movie for an 80s horror film? This was an easy one for me. I went Fright Night. You do love Fright Night. Yeah, Jerry Dandridge. Uh, it's Chris, played by Chris Sarandon. And for those of you who haven't seen it, 1985, a teenager discovers his neighbor is a vampire. Shocker. I love that stuff. You know what I mean? So he turns to a horror TV show actor, obviously. That's, that's the move I would make. <laughs> in dealing with the monster. And the director is your boy, Tom Holland, who also did Child's Play. Oh, yeah. Which I saw for the first time yesterday. Child's Play is fantastic. Yeah. So when Chucky Ch talks for the first time, <laughs> I started laughing. I needed to turn the movie off. Ugh. I was dying. I do love Child's Play. Sorry, <laughs> 
Jack, Chucky's back. <laughs> or when he breaks the uh, shaman's arm with yeah. the voodoo doll. I'm like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> so this is the first vampire movie to ever spend over a million dollars on special effects. Really? Yeah. And it shows. So Chris Sarandon is just so elegant and fun and like egotistic as a vampire in this movie. And he gave Susan Sarandon his last name. And I love that he eats apples throughout the whole movie. That was Chris Sarandon's idea mm-hmm. to make him look like arrogant. Yeah. I've thought about this for years. There's not a humble way to eat an apple. You always look like you're a jerk. <laughs> Think about it. Unless you cut it up and like kind of slice it like in your mouth Put some like peanut a butter on it. Yeah. All right. But it's like you hold it, you flip it like a tennis ball. Is this my is this Can you let me know when you're done? <laughs> This is early on in the podcast. We, we go down the hard, know, the I hard like, right. No, it's whenever right. I eat an apple, I get like a. I imagine boost. you doing research for this podcast and watching this movie and pausing the movie and going to the refrigerator and staring at an apple for. 30 I had minutes. four honey crisps a day the last yeah. three days. Yeah. I think they're called honey crisps. Yeah, not, not whatever you just said. I have trouble talking. Sometimes you have, you're having a lot of. Do we need to pause? Do we need to go just for a walk? <laughs> talk it out before we get back into the podcast. My lips get in the way. Okay, you let me know when you're done, and I'm going to hop into mine. Okay. <laughs> Tom Holland wanted a vampire story mixed with humor, warmth, and relationships, and the reality feel. That's why he placed it in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And I like that it feels like you can relate. This could happen to you. Someone moves in next door, and sure. it's like, you're just screwed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> what? Nothing. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> and the dance club scene, too. Yes. Yes. Also, yes. the score was by the same dude, Brad Fardell, who scored the Terminator. Okay. And that's, that's why they picked him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. how's Very that feel cool. to it? That's, I, you I, like Fright Night. I do. I, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. But mine's way better. What? It is. There's only one answer for this. An American Werewolf in London. It's <laughs> the only answer. This is probably also my favorite overall horror film ever made. You love this movie. It's because it's it's perfect. It's perfectly. I love John Landis. So directed by John Landis, 1981. The biggest reason I love it is because Frank Oz has a cameo in it. And you know every movie that Frank he does? Oz. does? Yeah. Well, we talked about this before, how Landis and Oz both swap with cameos with each other all the time. For some Yeah, reason. I didn't know it was in this one. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like the, the dignitary from like America or whatever. You haven't seen American Werewolf in London? I know. Wow. And that you show up to work and you have that under your belt. My God. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Two American college students are on a walking tour of Britain and they're attacked by a werewolf. One is killed and the other is mauled. The werewolf is killed but reverts to its human form and the local townspeople are unwilling to acknowledge its existence. And you know what bar they go to when this happens? The Slaughtered Lamb. That's right. From our old, old episode, uh, build a bar, Jobu drink, something or other. Long <laughs> hey, name. I hey, couldn't remember. Jobu needs a refill. <laughs> there you go. The surviving student begins to have nightmares of hunting on four feet at first, but then he finds out that his friend and other recent victim appear to him, which is awesome that he is just like the walking Always good dead. when there's a dead friend. I keep on looking up at you like you're going to, you haven't seen this movie, so I'm on my own. No, I've breezed through it. Totally on my own here. There's not much actual werewolf showings in this movie, right? Yeah, I, I just don't even talk to me. Let what? me just get through this. So Landis wrote this when he was a teenager, which I think is really cool. Unrelated to this, David Naughton, who's one of the actors, Landis picked him because he was doing Dr. Pepper commercials. That's how he knew him. He was like, that's his fame. He just saw a Dr. Pepper commercial. In general, yeah, in general, the whole movie, I think the most important part of this movie and why I love it so much probably has more to do with the special effects and makeup than anything else. Yeah, it's Thriller. I, groundbreaking. Thriller. Yeah, well, that's why Michael Jackson saw this movie and yeah. that's why he got Landis to help him with his video for Thriller. Also, Landis has trouble securing some of the locations that he wanted to shoot at, so he invited all of the local police to a screening of the Blues Brothers, 300 members of London's Metropolitan Police Force, and then all of a sudden he got permission to shoot at Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, grease, grease the wheels of justice. You got to. So Rick Baker won his first Academy Award because of this movie. Yeah, I mean, when he's paused 
eyes changing yeah. and all. I've it's, seen that. It's the, yeah. the morphing and everything. Let me tell you what else he's done. And you're isn't gonna, his friend mauled gross? Like yes, his neck the whole is thing. All, it's yeah. it's the, the, the biggest. The, Are you the a most, gore guy? Am I what? A gore guy? I'm not a gore guy. The, the most impressive special effects is when he's transforming into the werewolf. Yep. It's, it's amazing. Um, but he won seven Academy Awards. The first one was with this werewolf, but um, in an American werewolf in London. Let me tell you the others. They won. Now he was, I think, nominated for 11, won seven. Here are the seven. Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, my God. I knew you'd love that. Uh, Ed Wood, Nutty Professor, Men in Black, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Wolfman. The Wolfman, which one? Was that Benito del Toro? I think. Okay. It was after, it was, it was, it was the most remake. recent one. Yeah, yeah, it was a remake. But that's a, that's six for seven. That's pretty good. It's pretty solid, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's, How do you feel about The Nutty Professor? I liked it. Yeah, me too. Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> when the kid's choking on the chicken. I thought that was funny. <laughs> so, yeah, this is my pick. It's an easy one. My, can I give you my backup for this? Sure. Uh, Monster Squad. Yeah, I was going to do uh, Frankenstein. Okay, Monster Squad for Tom sure. Tom Noonan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my for sure my backup. Uh, all right. That we takes, have the same backup. Oh, that's fresh, fresh. That takes us to our next category. Uh, fresh, this, is, this is one of my favorite categories. Of all the ones we did, this is, I oh got I really put it up there. Remember the, str- the strategery in this. Strategery. Is that once we pick something, we can't use it for another category. So now I can't use an American Werewolf in London for anything else because that was mine, which was tough because one of our categories is our favorite beast. And I wanted to pick this for the for that category. It makes you flex your brain, though. It did. That's why I liked it. That's why my rules are so wonderful, Max. So our next one is origin story. Dum, dum, dum. Marvel e- style. Every great horror film has a fantastic origin story. It has to. Of, it has to of how this criminal, awful monster came to be. But there are some stories that are better than the rest. You need that first 20, 25 minutes of a movie being like, okay, the family's safe. This is terrifying. I like, I like these terrifying. people. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. And something's going horribly wrong. Oh my God. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'll let you go first again because that's kind of jerk I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. 1986, Critters. I freaking love Critters. You love Critters. Yeah. <laughs> Small, cute animals that, yeah. that destroy everything. Yeah. I mean, they crash land in a small town in Kansas, and they're chased by bounty hunters that can shapeshift. And they're on a asteroid. What is it? An asteroid prison? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I forget words sometimes. So they start an asteroid prison. They escape, and they cause havoc. And they're cute. They're adorable. It's definitely a Gremlins ripoff. <laughs> and No. <laughs> the, the writer, Dominique Muir. Uh, said that it was written long before. Grandma's long, long before. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but this is just a clear rip. And it's fun. It's cute. And I love that, like, an asteroid prison. That's insane. And the bounty hunters dress as, like, 80s pop stars and people in the town. It's just, it's a very strange, unique story. It yeah. feels like, yeah, they took the gremlins, the cute smallness of them, but... They gave it a nice hard R. <laughs> yeah, they did. I mean, those teeth on them are just terrifying. Yeah. And also they can throw spikes that poison you. I thought people were going to transform. What I love is the family doesn't know any of the powers of these little critters or crites as they're called on the planet. And you kind of have to discover with them what the critters are doing. So you're coming along for the discovery ride. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, they, ha- they have the kind of uh, voiceover word thing like the uh, trash pandas in uh, Great Outdoors. Trash the raccoons. I love that you and I like <laughs> always refer to them as trash pandas. Yeah, and critters' language is a combination of French and Japanese. Sure, isn't that <laughs> makes what? makes perfect sense? I like <laughs> critters. I'm not you. I, I like critters. You yeah. love critters. And also, Billy Zane gets murdered. You he, love Billy Zane. He's the he's the bad guy. Not the bad guy. He's actually kind of nice in the movie, yeah. but he's got a Porsche and he's got a custom license plate, like you said. I, every great '80s movie has one. And I looked into it. The license plate says "Too Great." <laughs> from New York and it's got the thing around it, it says I don't give a bleep what your other car is 
Like the '80s loved a good custom license plate. I, I, I've made this argument. We, should make, many we times. should make an entire episode about license about plates. license plates. Yeah. It, it would not be an entertaining episode, but that's okay. And they base the critters on the Tasmanian devil. From <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it makes, that's pretty good. I, I love that. Taz. Yeah, I had a giant. Come to Tasmania. Uh, down to Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> I had a giant chain with a spinning Taz. As sure, a you did. Yeah. Makes perfect Fifth sense. Grade. I love that cartoon. Welcome to a land that's way under down <laughs> under the skies, always yellow in the rain or shine. You like that? I do. Come to Tasmania. <laughs> well, Topsy meets Turbine and it starts to spin like a Tasmanian devil and his closest kin. That's pretty good. Yeah. What's your pick? <laughs> you want me off the song so quick? You're like, what's your pick? Well, I don't I don't know. It's yeah, it's all right. insignificant. We already talked about my pick, uh, but origin story, I don't think anything beats this. Child's Play. Uh, 1988. Directed by Tom Holland, written by Don Mancini, inspired by Cabbage Patch Kids. Although I'm going to tell you right now, not inspired by Cabbage Patch Kids. It is a total and complete ripoff of My Buddy. I'm too old. You're too young. So there is a toy called My Buddy. You're going to get stuck with me singing again because the commercial's scorched in my retina. My buddy, my buddy, wherever he goes, I go. That sounds Chucky-ish. And then they made another one for your little sister called Kid Sister, Kid (laughs) Sister, Kid Sister and me, my buddy. And listen. The doll looks exactly like Chucky. Were the batteries included? No, I don't think so. I don't even know if it had batteries. They were. But they look identical. Let me put them in. I'm sorry. Let me let me tell everybody what this movie's about. In 1988, homicide detective Mike Norris chases a fugitive and serial killer named Charles Lee Ray through the streets of the South Side of Chicago, repeatedly shooting him (laughs) a number of times. Charles' accomplice Eddie Caputo escapes alone in a getaway vehicle. Yeah, bails on him. Charles breaks into a toy store where Mike fatally shoots him. As he's dying, he performs a Haitian voodoo spell to transfer his soul to one of the good guy dolls. That's what they're called, the good guy dolls. A widowed mother buys this doll from a homeless merchant, and you have the birth of an incredible franchise. <laughs> Terrifying. And, and like for me, the origin story behind this couldn't be better for a horror film. Similar to like Poltergeist, when you see that clown toy sitting in the chair, which by the way, what sick parent would ever have like a doll that horrifying sitting in their kid's room? Yeah, what is that? That at least is clown based and everybody's scared of clowns. They took the like Teddy Ruxpin, Cabbage Patch Kid, my buddy, kid sister. These are toys that are all over the place. And they basically said, live in fear. My children somehow know about Chucky. I don't know how. It's part of the the lexicon. Yeah. I don't know how. And they're like, is Chucky real? I'm like, Chucky who? (laughs) And they're like the doll that kills people. Like, how do you even know about that? It's incredible. My daughter's nine. I don't know how she knows about it. This movie's great. It took 11 people to control the doll. It feels like it. There's a lot of like animatronics. The part of the reason that I love 80s horror films significantly more than other movies is the is the noticeable absence of CGI. The physical effects. You got it. And I can't stress that enough. Like I really, 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 you see it in this movie. So not only did they have the animatronic doll, they also had a little person who was in the suit and they had sets that were 30% in size. So they could, so they could, so they did this in Jaws too. So like when they did the real shots, they had cages and they used um, little people to go in the cages to pretend to be Dreyfus so they could give the scale of the shark to be way bigger. You know so much about Jaws. Do you know how I know that? <laughs> Jaws of Revenge? No, this is a this is probably my biggest claim to fame of like fascinating information. The guy who took Spielberg and his crew on the water and did all of the, you know, finding the sharks, getting people in cages, his name is Rodney Fox. I, when I lived in Australia, went on a boat with Rodney Fox to go cage diving with great white sharks. I spent a week listening to stories from him about Richard Dreyfus, about Steven Spielberg, about all these guys like shooting Jaws. It was That's it was like the cool. most amazing week yeah. of my life. It was incredible. Can't you share that with me. Yet. Yeah, well, I, there's a lot of things you don't know about me. No, there's not. No, very little. So aside from the doll, <laughs> which Ed Gale was who was in the um, suit, I think also like. 
that little boy's sister was in it sometimes as well. It was just super weird that to have like weird. a sister in there. That little boy is a terrible actor. Yeah, pretty much. Do you know who the voice of Chucky almost was? This is going to blow your mind. No, you're going to blow. That'd be great. <laughs> I get no respect. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, kid. Um, Jessica Walter. Is that? Archer, the voice? Yeah. Yeah. Not just Archer, the mom from Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she was almost the voice of Chucky, which is crazy to me. So Chucky's full name, Charles Lee Ray, is derived from Charles Manson. Lee Harvey Oswald killed uh, JFK. He's not a serial killer, Depending on how you listen to or believe. And then James Earl Ray, the assassin of Martin Luther King. Oh, wow. That's a downer. I know. Is that kind of a downer, right? Uh, so, yeah, my origin story, child's play. No question. His hair freaks me out, too. It's, Red terrifying. hair should not be that terrifying. straight. Yeah. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. You literally just told me and, and, our, and our millions of listeners five minutes ago that you just watched well, it yesterday. Hear it again. There you go. Uh, next category. Favorite method of killing. This is fun. This is a fun one. Yeah. So the method method of killing. It's important. Yeah. It's like our favorite method of killing. And, and some uh, obviously some of the more iconic horror villains. They don't just have one method of killing. You know, they may do multiple. No, but, but they have their sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like you nailed it. Like it's, LeBron James, his dunk is his most like epic move, but he can shoot a three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm sure Jason Voorhees has got that long rifle yeah. that you're talking about. Poison somebody. But for the most most part, he's a, a giant machete knife guy. He is. So Max, uh, again, I'm gonna have you start because uh, that's just going to be the theme today. Method of killing. What do you got? Had to go John Carpenter in one of these things. Christine is my favorite movie. of You his. do love Christine. Oh Christine's a great movie. It's I, well, so our, vehicular manslaughter <laughs> is your favorite method of killing. The car does it for you too. I, this, this is one. your kind of this killing. Is an auto kill. Yeah. So 1983 nerd buys an evil car and starts killing off all his tormentors. My dream in high school. This is, <laughs> I, I understand why you like this movie. Stephen King too. Every time I, I walk out to the parking lot, I'm just one day waiting <laughs> here. like, so there's something haunting about a living inanimate object where you don't really know the origin story thing. You have no right. idea why they want to do this, but they're just doing it. Right. There's no bargaining. There's no bartering. There's no like, please don't do this. And maybe they'll get off. This car's going to run you down. And it's the 1958 Plymouth Fury, which is one of the sexiest did, cars. Did this make it to one of our collectible it episodes? Did. Yeah, it yeah, did. Yeah, 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 you put this on there. I remember that. I know. You made fun of me then. You made fun of me now. <laughs> no, no, no. So th- now it makes sense. Yeah. It's fine now. <laughs> 15% of the budget was used on the cars. Sure, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, 28 cars. There's only one or two left, I think, or something like that. And they're both under 100 grand. So one day when we hit it big, I'm going to buy the Plymouth Fury. Oh, there you go. And run you down. All right, cool. Perfect. <laughs> Just <laughs> Thanks, I guess. The head- I'll look out for that in a rifle, right? <laughs> <laughs> the headlights, the burning rubber... The fact that it can go through corridors and like destroy itself and rebuild. Yeah. There's just something, I don't know, it's just haunting about that. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like the Terminator or the Undertaker. It just keeps getting up. You know what I mean? Which one? Terminator or the Undertaker? Well, both. They right. both keep getting up. The Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> and also Archie, who I love, they almost cast Kevin Bacon or John Cusack. I thought Keith Gordon Cusack. did a good job. I liked Keith Gordon. He this. did a good job. I mean, it was no back to school, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> People love back to school. So I love back to school. It's great. But I thought we were alone on an island. No, yeah. no, no, no. That's a popular one. All right, that's a good pick. My choice for favorite killing method. You're doing the obvious one. I know it. No, it's not obvious. I bet you think I'm doing uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep, that was I'm my not, backup. That's not. No that was way. my backup too. But that's not the one I'm doing. This harkens to what I would argue. So we didn't pick scariest movie. Like our scariest movie. We picked scariest scene. Yep. But we didn't pick scariest movie on our list. That's interesting. We should have. We should have. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this for me is my scariest. It's up there. I mean, it's really close. Uh, Hellraiser. I can't watch this. Hellraiser is terrifying. Hellraiser is, so Hellraiser, 1987. It's a British horror film. People yep. forgot that. It is? And I the Brits know. are a little bit off. I mean, this is. Their comedy is a little wanky. And every, there's no comedy in this. None. <laughs> like this, there, there is, this is elements of heaven and hell mixed into anything having to do with a horror film. Terrify me because it, there's as silly as it is. 
Like, you feel like, like you're going to hell? I feel like, I feel like, oh my God, what if this actually is what yeah. hell is like? Yeah. So quickly, because I don't even, if you haven't seen this, I'm not even going to recommend you see it because it can, it's, it can scare you it's, pretty bad. It's the one that you need to see it. Because we got a job to do here. Pinhead even freaked me out when I would Dude, be at the wait, video wait store. Wait you see it. Pinhead's not even the scariest part of this movie. Shut up, really? No, not even. The, the overall just, okay, so Hit I'm, me with I'm all over the map. What year? 87. 87, yeah. So in Morocco, Frank Cotton buys a puzzle box from a dealer. In a bare attic, when Frank solves the puzzle, hooked chains emerge and tear him apart. That is my method of killing. That is my number one method of killing. When this pleasure pain box opens up, it's all sadomatism, right? Yeah. And these hooks come out from the wall and literally hook into the skin and you can see them like fishing hook into the skin yeah, yeah. and rip your flesh apart and like torment you and you're gushing blood everywhere. It's incredible. I don't like that. Terrifying. Uh, later, the room is filled with swinging chains covered with remains of his body. A black robed figure picks up the box and returns it to its original state, restoring the room to normal. I, I mean, I could get into the like the nuts and bolts of this movie. There are elements of this movie that are just horrifying anyways. Basically, you have this guy and his daughter, and he's remarried, and his new wife is awful, and she has an affair with his brother, who's Frank, the guy who uses this torture oh. box. So that happens before he dies from the torture box. Yeah. Basically, he cuts his hand, right? And a little bit of blood drips into the floor, which reanimates Frank's body, and he starts coming back to life. And that's where he grabs his brother's wife that he had an affair with and says, you know, if you want me back, go find me bodies because I need more blood. That that's the whole movie is her going and seducing men to come home. And then she takes a hammer to their head, cracks their skull open. And then this reanimated Frank drinks the blood to get back. Now, Frank has escaped the Hellraisers. (laughs) Okay. So the Hellraisers are called Cenobites. (laughs) And these Cenobites are horrifying. This okay? is awful. So Pinhead's a Cenobite. Okay. So when you open this box, the idea is when you open this Hellraiser box, it can take you to the highest pain and the highest pleasure. It's for thrill seekers that want a little bit more out of life. Is there a good part to it? No good. There's no good to this at all. So the Cenobites, you've got a fat one. Like he's got like a mushy face, no neck, terrifying. You've got one whose gums are pulled back and its teeth just chomp like one of those like wind up crank things. There's a woman whose throat is opened up so you can like see into her throat. This is a PG show, man. <laughs> there's what there, are you doing? There's like a pet scorpion. I don't even know that just runs around. It looks like a pet. And then there's Pinhead and the method of killing for this, the the hooks coming out of the yeah. wall, ripping apart. That's my terrifying method of killing. My favorite method of killing. Hellraiser's terrifying. This was a fun episode until you just sucked all the air out of the room. Okay, I'm ready to move on. David Fincher. There over you here. go. I am ready to move on. Terrifying movie. So there you go. <laughs> I don't like this. Say something. Say something positive. <laughs> no. Well, that's fine. There okay. you go. There you go. You know it's ma mama. It's not. Da- it's I, it's I ca- 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 I didn't know that. Yeah. Kaka mama. <laughs> Kaka poopoo. All right, Max. Yeah. Uh, moving on. I know, right? It's a, like, I really left. It looks like I farted in the room. Let's move on from Hellraiser to this one. This one's, I like this one You're a lot. You're a guy who likes music. I really do. So well, that's like the most obvious, obvious thing in the world. That's no, I okay. Mean, I meant musical scores for I movies. I do. I do. Well, so this one. Not so much. I'm just for like, The next category for us, it's evil score, but it's like, yes, it's the, the score. Song. Yeah, but it's like, it's not just the score. The best way to, the best example is Jaws. It's the dun you're good at that baby shark (laughs) but that's what that's what the idea is so it's not like the full score it's just that what is that signature your favorite signature music that's in your in an 80s horror film so max what do you got for this well to lighten the mood a little bit let's keep it cuddly with gremlins that's a great one i really i love i love 
this pick. So you talk about this. I'm sure you got all types of stuff. Greatest movie year ever. You love this. <laughs> and you love the gremlins. A young man breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of monsters on a small town. What are those three rules, Max? Uh, no food after midnight. Yep. Don't get them wet. Yep. And whatever you do. Yeah, it's the sunlight. Technically, sunlight. Um, yeah. So when I, I was just, I was going to get specific. The breaking of the sunlight rule isn't what caused all hell to break. Those are really, if you told me those rules, I'd be like, screw it. I'm getting a burnadoodle. Anyways, it's scored by Jerry Goldsmith, who, for, oh, if you've been living man. under a rock. Yeah, he's the man. First Blood, The Secret of Nim, Explorers, Twilight Zone, the movie, Hoosiers, Inner Space, The Burbs, Total Recall. This one's for me, Small Soldiers. I freaking love Small Soldiers. That's a good movie. Yeah. Basic Instinct and The Mummy. Basic Instinct. I know, right? That's a good, that's a really good score too. I mean, this guy rules. I mean, I want to, we should interview him. We'll try. Call him up. <laughs> Jerry. Tell Max sent you. <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> it just got bits of comedy. It's got a Christmas vibe to it too, which he does. And then he's got the ragtime with the violin and yeah. the weird electronic synth. The, the music is perfect. Yeah. yeah it's, so mine is, I totally cheated the system on this one. How? Because you've pointed out to me a number of times that this movie did not take place in the eighties. So I'm, totally using its sequel. If you're doing point break, I'm going to jump off. No, I'm not. But that'd be great. I'm totally using its sequel to back into the first one, which is better. Halloween two, 1981. That's not cheating. That's fine. Okay. Because like I would make the case that the like that yeah, piano it's quintessential Halloween. Movie. It, it's the ultimate horror film score. Yeah, I would make I'd make the case. It's the best one ever. And then, well, let's talk about Halloween two. So in Halloween one, Mike Myers, Halloween, murders a bunch of people. Halloween 2, Jamie Lee Curtis is put into a mental hospital. No, not a mental hospital. Maybe just a regular hospital. And Mike Myers finds out that she's there, heads over to the hospital, tries to kill her. It's a quick continuation. So John Carpenter directed the first one, wrote the first one, did not direct the second one, but he wrote it. Carpenter, it's so funny when you talk to these guys who do the sequels. Right. Carpenter never wanted to do a Halloween sequel. And now there's like Shut 20 up, really? of them. Yeah. He's and, done a few of them. And he actually regrets, when in interviews, he regrets making Jamie Lee Curtis Mike Myers' sister. He just was trying to like, he had studio pressure and he made these changes. Yeah, but, it's like Game of Thrones. You right. don't know what you're doing oh, at the end. Oh, God. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> or so, Dexter. Yeah, right? So anyways, Dr. Samuel Loomis shoots Michael Myers six times. Michael Myers still escapes. He's on the loose, goes to the hospital. They used the exact same mask in the first two. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so there you go. A little, little fun. Um, but the cool part to me, John Carpenter, remember when you and I had the debate, uh, who do we like, Carpenter versus Cameron? Cameron. I'm a Carpenter guy. You're I might be rolling over to Carpenter. Shut up. It might be the October in me yeah. talking. He scored all this just like he did Big Trouble in Little China. He's this is all his own ever. music. Yeah. I know. They live with a weird bass bounce. Look, when he did Halloween, the first one, yeah. he was like right, right out of college, USC film school and he's putting together a full script directing the whole thing and scoring the whole damn movie that's incredible yeah. that's incredible welcome to my side i know the right side i know i, I might have to give it to you so yes he's a jerk too carpenter seems like a cool dude he does yeah. um even now like he's interviewing he seems like this really old hippie he seems like that the last 20 years yeah. like he hasn't changed at all i this song the dun, 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 i just i love it i could listen to it it's over, a great over again it's great so that is my selection for score and that takes us to favorite beast. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. in horror films, the antagonist is either human, supernatural. Yep. So human with a blend of powers. Yeah, sprinkling. Or beast. Yep. Right? Yeah. And I would say like ghost, goblins, Hellraiser, those are all beasts. I'm counting them all as beasts. Okay. Right? Is Hellraiser a beast? Uh, supernatural, yeah, no. I feel like. Because there's, there's no there's no human element. I don't want to talk anymore about Hellraiser. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, fine, fine. So Max, we... <laughs> 
Could he have your favorite? I swear to God. I know. I've you're watched, I watched 15 horror movies for this pod. Your 10 second description of Hellraiser is scarier than anything I watched. Will you watch it tonight? We no. Will watch it tonight? No. I'll watch you too. Under the blankets. Go watch it tonight. Sound Promise me. Promise me. No. Max. No. Come on. I don't want I got a busy week. Promise me. No. It's a it's a quick buck 30 just like your favorite no, movies are. Turn it out. Yeah. Come on. Promise no. me. No. Do it do it for this the show. Is, this is the one. Do it for the show. If we get I'll put I'll put a post about Hellraiser if we get 500 comments. Comment? Yeah. No, we're not going to get 500 comments. We'll, yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Vluster's Cannibal could do it 500 <laughs> times. Forget forget comments. If we get... 10,000 likes. No, no. 2,000 likes. That's a lot. Okay. 2,000 likes on a comment on Instagram. Okay. Then you will watch Hellraiser. Fine. All right. There you go. I'm going to make a really <laughs> stupid picture. You know what? I'll make the post. No. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. All right. Moving along. You're not a manipulative people. Moving along. The Beast. Your favorite Beast. Yeah. What do you, I already know. I could, yeah. I could blindly tell you... I, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> be afraid. Be very afraid. I love it. I the love Fly. It. You love the Fly. It's the grossest movie of all time. Is the reason you love the Fly more Gold Bloom than anything else? Ninety four percent. Okay, that's but fair. The body horror of it all. Watching someone transform like that in all practical effects. I think that's the thing I'm most scared of in life is like transforming into something. Sure. Even though it's boy, I'll tell you, if there's not a psychiatrist <laughs> out there that wants to dive into that one. But go ahead. But the special effects and watching him go from man to beast is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Tell me about the fly. So 1986, a brilliant scientist, Seth Brundle. Brilliant, Brundle. brilliant, brilliant movie here. Some people would say. Yes, <laughs> Sam. So he's inventing a teleportation device. Really cool. It's like these two pods, but he splices his DNA accidentally with a fly and slowly becomes the insect. What a premise for a movie. I never saw anything even remotely. I think there's a Vincent Price movie from the 50s or 40s. His wife gives birth to a fly. What a horrifying scene that is. I mean, his actual wife. They were married, right, at that time, weren't they? They were engaged. They were engaged? Yeah. You would know know those little weird things. I I love this movie, and I hate it. It's just so gnarly. It's like the nerdy confidence of Jeff Goldblum. It's like my hero, that he thinks he's going to change the world, that when he gets the fly's powers and he breaks that dude's hand with his, and just you see the bone come out. It's gory. It's very gory. Jeff Goldblum. He saddles the I can be very smart, but also be very attractive kind of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. And David Cronenberg made this, and this is his like this is his crowning achievement. This is why you say that's Cronenbergian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rick and Morty said it. Rick, like Rick and Morty? Yeah. Rick, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. <laughs> Five hours of makeup a day. And actually, you know the be afraid, very afraid line was mm-hmm. made by Mel Brooks. Yeah. You knew that? I did. Oh man. I'm kidding, I didn't know that. <laughs> Just a jerk. <laughs> and the fly vomit was made from honey, eggs, and milk. And you could feel it. <laughs> also, good what if. This is a great one. Michael Keaton and Mel Gibson were offered this movie. Both of them would have been great, yeah. I think. You know how I feel. You know who I would have picked. Keaton? Keaton. Yeah. yeah. They're different energies. Mel oh, Gibson sure. might have been awesome. <laughs> like, can you imagine? He's like, do you want to jump? Do you want some sugar? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and also, this movie was double billed in theaters as a double feature with aliens. Oh, you're kidding. Because it came out a month afterwards. Oh, that's wild. Can you, I puke in my popcorn you bucket. You puke in your popcorn. You're such a wimp. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I knew when we had this category, I'm like, there's no way. The only reason, the only we reason. about the fly at all. I know, but the only reason I thought you might not take the flies if it fit into another category, For but I was like, no, he'll do it for the beast. Yeah. But, oh, I, one last quote. Yes. I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over and the insect is awake. Isn't that creepy? It's great, Max. It's creepier that your arms are up in the air and that your head is tilted it's like a It's the only arm. way I can read things without sounding terrible. <laughs> To learn that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> my my pick for this. This pick brought me back to rewatch this movie, which I've not seen in a long time. And it's another reason why I'm leaning towards being more in Carpenter than I am with Cameron. 
1982, The Thing. This is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's so gross. I, I Rewatching this, it is so well done. The whole movie's great from like start to finish. A guy had a nervous breakdown who was I, doing the special effects. I, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. So um, <laughs> a U.S. research station in Antarctica. Always a great premise. Yeah. Always. Early winter, 82. The base is suddenly buzzed by a helicopter from a nearby Norwegian research station. They buzzed the tower. I, com- I know. I completely forgot about the beginning of this movie and how it was shot, how much time they spent on it. That's how the 2011 movie, that's what it's about. It's I about didn't the watch Norwe- the 2011. I haven't either, but it's about the Norwegians. Oh, yeah. so it's like a prequel. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I wouldn't mind watching that. So they're trying to kill a dog, which makes me uncomfortable. It does. Dog death is probably like the one thing I just don't like in movies. Yeah. Like I remember, uh, what was that Will Smith movie with the zombies? Um, oh, I am legend. I am legend. I had a lot of trouble dealing with oh, when he chokes dog. out his yeah, dog. I yeah, Charlie I or something. Big fan of yeah. That. So after the destruction of the Norwegian chopper, when they're hunting this dog, uh, they take the dog into their base, and slowly and surely they learn that the dog was carrying an alien, and that that alien basically can mimic the body of anything that it gets in contact with in a and, weird, like tentacly way. Yeah, and the the effects, like this is why I picked it as my beast. The alien itself, the effects of it. It's, I mean, it's stag. Like, when the head starts walking with the spider legs. Well, there's a ton of cool parts about it, right? The so, CPR death. Additionally, you know what's funny about this? Fans and critics hated it when it came out. Yeah, but, Roger gave it two stars. And not just that, but like I, I usually can live with the fact that if critics hate it, at least the fans like it. But nobody did. It wasn't until years later that it became popular. They had a double amputee that they used for the special effects. So when Dr. Copper is attempting to revive Norse yeah. and he's doing the CPR like you were just talking about, that's when they use the double amputee when his arms get ripped off. Oh my God. Isn't that wild, that right? Is. That's a smart idea. So Rob Botton, I think is saying his name right. Yep. So known for, you ready for this? Robocop, Total Recall, Seven, and Fight Club. Holy moly. That's a, that's a pretty decent uh, resume. He was 22 when he right? did, did this. Found a man who lost both of his arms below the elbow in an industrial accident. And they basically bottom fit the man with two prosthetic forearms, which were made of wax, bone, rubber veins, and jello. Oh my God. Then for the wide angle shot, he fit the man with a skin-like mask taken from a mold of the guy's face so that it looked like it was him. Oh my God. I, I know, right? It's incredible. Um, it's kind of like they did with Hannibal Lecter, like same except it was not as messy. Um, <laughs> so as the actor pulls his arms away, the jello from the arm serves as the joints, like the below the elbow, and the rest is all practical. Where effect. did you find this? I, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, Russell almost killed himself with a stick of dynamite shooting this film. Really? That last scene of the movie, that was real dynamite, and he actually was blown back. Like, that's legit. Oh, how my God. He, yeah, so yeah. I thought that was wild, too. The whole movie, to me, I put it up there. It's one of my three favorite horror films. Well, when you don't know who's who, that's the that's the freakiest the thing. Psych, it's, it's, it's a psychological thriller yeah. mixed with Cronenberg. Like, and, it's, it's, yeah. it's wild. And the end, too. You're not sure what's going on. I know. I yeah. love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, all right. Well, you know, before we hop into any more, we should probably, all my horror juju is all fired up. You're scared. We can talk Hellraiser again. No. Advertisement, please. Advertisement. All right. Let's go to our ads. Buzz in the Towers brought to you by Capsiva Pain Relieving Gel. And I can tell you that if you're sitting at a table across from a guy who has to go to the bathroom every 25 minutes, sure. you're going to get arthritis. You're going to get muscle soreness, psoriasis. Um, Capsiva is all Sorry. natural. It's okay. <laughs> Capsiva is all natural and designed to increase blood flow for the healing and pain relief process. Uh, try it for free at capsiva.com. That's C-A-P-S-I-V-A.com. 
And uh, you know, Max, I'm an old man and I need this kind of stuff. It works. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Yeah, it's like Wolford Brimley in Cocoon. You know what I mean? It's, you feel revitalized. It, that's exactly what it's like. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Lindsay Larravee Photography. Uh, if you have checked out our website, hopefully you have. You've seen the amazing photos that were put up there. Lindsay, so good. Yeah, Lindsay and her team did all of those. She teased my hair. She was, she was fun to work with. Uh, just made the whole experience really exciting for us. She has been taking photos of families, children, and smiles in Metro Detroit since 2017. Um, she loves what she does, and it shows. She works with her clients, catches everything in the moment, and adores watching the connections and relationships unfold in front of her lens. If you mention Buzz in the Tower, you get $25 off any family session in 2021. You can find Lindsay on our website under our sponsors page. Uh, check her up and get some work done. She is fantastic. Yeah, she made us look good. She can make anyone look good. And now we're going to hop into our next category, our favorite supernatural villain. So this is a little bit different. We did Beast. Now we're going to do Supernatural. Yeah, like psychic powers, all that good stuff. Well, no, psychic powers, oh, I guess, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yeah, that would count. Or heaven and hell, right? Yeah, or, or yeah, or like Superman. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, 1984, Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger. Is he super? Yeah, he's super. Is he super? No, he's human. Max, <laughs> just a just a regular old dude. He was a gardener. Right? He was a, a a child murdering gardener. Yes, he was a gardener. Robert Eng. Okay, written and directed by Wes Craven on Elm Street. Nancy Thompson and a group of her friends, comprising of Tina Gray, Rod Lane, and Glenn Lance, are John being Depp. yeah his first ever role are being tormented by a clawed killer in their dreams named Fred Krueger. Nancy must think quickly as Fred tries to pick them off one by one. When he has you in your sleep, who is there to save you? It's the most horrifying thing ever because you can't avoid sleep. So this almost got my origin story one. It's a really good. The origin, origin story is fantastic. Would you go back too. to the mother? Would you do Freddy Four? Because the, no, the I go to the original. Thing. Original, okay. yeah, I go to him just being like a child murderer and, and him the, killing the, the hamster and, and, and all. Yeah, and that's terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. So I picked this one as my favorite. He is my favorite supernatural character. Well, that's hilarious. I mean, he's like, charming. The bottom, the bottom line of Freddy Krueger is like to me when you talk horror films, he is horror film. Like you can't separate the two. He's no, it's him favorite. and Jason at the top of the mountain. I see, I like Jason, but I wouldn't even put him at the top. I'd put Chucky up there over Jason. Really? I'd put Hellraiser over Jason. No. I'd put Pinhead over Jason. Okay. But Fred Krueger. Yeah. Freddy Krueger sits atop the mountain on his own. He's got it all. He's got... It's a five-tool player. He's got talent, skill. I mean, I don't want to go too much into this. We just had a six-hour, two-part episode with Caleb talking about all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But yeah, there's just no question. So Wes Craven wrote this based on a series of newspaper articles talking about people dying in their dreams. So this was like real articles about oh, some weird, cool. yeah, yeah, weird phenomenon that happened. I, I mentioned this Johnny Depp's acting debut. Originally, David Warner was up for the role of Freddy Krueger. Do you know who David Warner is? I have no idea who that is. So he has an amazing career, lots of stuff he's in, but most notable for me, he's the scientist from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use. Really? Yeah, that's how I will always, he's in other <laughs> that's stuff. That's a great movie. That's how I always see him as that quirky scientist, but he was originally going to be Freddy Krueger. It earned its budget back 72 hours after it was released. Yeah. The whole shebang, all the Kruger movies, all Nightmare on Elm Street, have brought in more than $630 million. Wow. It's a big chunk of money. And uh, they're fun. It is. I love two the most. Charles Charles Fleischer, who in the first one, he was the sleep clinician doctor. Do you remember him? Yep. He is the he is also the voice of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> That's insane. Right? That's the yeah. guy who does Roger Rabbit. I got, I got nothing. nothing. I don't know. What, what was that? Please, Eddie. <laughs> it's just important to know. Uh, I got nothing else. Uh, I'm a big Kruger fan. He is my number one supernatural. That face, too. Yeah. Only a mother could love. All right, Max, who you got? Favorite Supernatural? I don't think you've seen this movie. Mm. It's like, I'll burn you up. Nothing? Nothing. No. Charlie McGee. 
Uh, Drew Barrymore and Firestarter. I've not seen Firestarter. Oh my God. Well, it's Stephen King. Yeah. 1984, a couple who participated in a government experiment gets psychic abilities. They run away. They have a kid who has pyrokinetic abilities. And this is Drew Barrymore just burning people up. And it's directed by Mark L. Lester. You know who that is? No. He did Commando. Uh, now I know. And he did Armed and Dangerous. Oh, I should know for Armed and All Dangerous. All in a row. <laughs> I mean, he did nothing else after that. I think he was burnt out because yeah. he did perfection. I mean, Armed and Dangerous <laughs> and Commando. Well, now I feel like I do need to see this movie. Yeah. So I love a good. So e- is there is there like little tin drums like. The soundtrack's by Tangerine Dream. You love Tangerine Dream. didn't even see the movie. They were just like, this is good. Yes. Is that, is, is, that, is that like Michael Caine never watching Jaws 4? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Tender Dream rules. I love them. Yeah, you do. But I love a good evil government movie. And the government is in this place called The Shop, which is in Virginia. It looks like I kind of like a farm, mm-hmm. but Martin Sheen runs it as Captain Hollister. George C. Scott is this kind of tracker named John Rainbird who wants to manipulate Charlie and kind of have her for himself, like, you know, all her powers. And she can, like, blow up cement blocks. She, she like, has meteors coming from the sky. People fire bullets at her, and they just... She has like a pyrokinetic field. Like Magneto. She yeah. can like freeze the bullets. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I was like, that doesn't seem like pyrokinesis. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not a Marvel. I was going to say, you know a lot about pyrokinesis? In Marvel movies and stuff, <laughs> they don't seem to be able to block bullets. <laughs> and she's just this perfect combination of sweet and innocent, but she's vengeful when she needs to be. Yeah. And like her hair blows back whenever she gets the power in yeah, her. Yeah. You know, like we said before, kids are terrifying. That, that, so that is true. Like yeah. bottom line, kids are terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> And first Heather Locklear film. Really? She's her mom. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess time. She would have been pretty young, though. Yeah. Her and David Keith are the dad. I got to watch this. Yeah. David Keith, the friend from An Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah. 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 I know he is. Yeah. 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 I mix him up with Keith David. <laughs> Who is uh, not the friend from Officer and a Gentleman. No, he's the big dude from They Live. Yeah. The best fight scene ever. Him and uh, Roddy Roddy. Yeah. All right, Max. Uh, <laughs> that moves on to our next cut. All right. So we just did a good sequence. We did Favorite Beast, Favorite Supernatural. That takes us to favorite human. So the tricky human. part, of, yeah, human, <laughs> President Clinton. <laughs> so uh, Simpsons, oh. remember the two aliens? Oh yeah, I am President Clinton. <laughs> so favorite human in a horror film who's a villain. So these are a special breed of horror films because when you make a horror film and there's no special powers, there's nothing supernatural. It's just that human being is psychological. That, yeah, that's yeah. that's terrifying. I'll go first. If our stupid podcast would allow me to touch movies outside of the 80s, this Hannibal would be the Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. You have Hannibal Lecter in this in this period. If I, I know, Max. I'm, I'm teeing that up. Why do you think I'm bringing this up right oh, now? Oh, okay. My selection, Max, oh. is the 1986 film Manhunter. No way! You watched it! I watched Manhunter. Shut up! Details! I, Let me tell you what you think. Shame on me for never having watched this before. I loved it. It's a fantastic I, I loved Manhunter. And also, it's interesting because I bet you think that I'm going to go with Brian Cox playing Hannibal Lecter no, as my villain. You go, Tom. We're going to get, okay, you're, yeah. you're already there. All right, so let's talk about Manhunter. I'm so excited. So Manhunter 1986, directed by Michael Mann. Um, we've got, we got a lot to talk about. Will Graham, William Peterson, is a former FBI agent who recently retired to Florida with his wife. Beautiful area. Yep, and their young son, Kevin. Graham was a profiler. His backstory, the, the best part about this is like, they don't even give you a ton of the backstory right away, but you can tell he's been like damaged mentally, like really bad. He can empathize with the serial killer. Right. So, so he's ba- too into it. Right. So they've got this new serial killer. So Jack Crawford, I knew that name right away. I was yeah. like, oh, Jack Crawford, of <laughs> course, from the Silence of the Lambs. Jack Crawford pulls him out of retirement to help with one more job. They've got a serial killer named the Tooth Fairy. In my life, 
There's never been a, I'm going to say right now, Tooth Fairy is a better name than Buffalo Bill for a serial killer. It's fantastic. It's great. It's yeah. great. He wants to so, kill the Red Dragon though. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it, we'll talk about it. There's, I got a lot of this. I got to be careful on because I could talk for hours. I literally just watched this and I'm like, I'll, and I'm all geeked out about it. But basically they bring him out of retirement. He works with Hannibal Lecter yep. to solve this crime. And Hannibal Lecter, the reason that he's retired in the first place, the reason he's all mentally screwed up is that Hannibal Lecter almost killed him and got inside his head. And this is kind of the prequel to Silence of the Lambs. Yep. So this movie's great. William Peterson, who plays Will Graham. Um, but do you know what else William Peterson's in? He's a CSI dude. No, no, no. He's in the skulls. There's something even better. The his One of his roles is one of my favorite movies ever, not in the 80s. He's the dad in Fear, who oh, fights yeah. with Mark Wahlberg, yeah. who's dating we- Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Yeah. Roller coaster, That's the dad. Chess thing. Yeah. Oh, God. I love that movie. So there's little things about this that are great. Like when he when he hears the voicemail and he's watching the home films yep. and it like triggers him. Um, but the reason I picked him is my the person I picked, I haven't even talked about yet as my favorite human is the tooth fairy. The He's serial so imposing. Uh, so Tom Noonan, who, oh, by the way, completely unrelated to this, Chris Elliott's in this movie. Remember we were talking about yeah. before? You have a how like Chris Elliott's in all these, the profiles. he's in the abyss. Yeah. yeah, he's just random roles. It's funny. He's good as a normal person. Yep. So Tom Noonan, Frankenstein and Monster Squad yep. and Kane. Kane's bugging me <laughs> in in uh, RoboCop Two. Yeah, uh, which is incredible. He's got a he's got a great face. He's, he's he is terrifying in this. Yeah, he is absolutely my favorite human horror villain in this genre. The like tiger he, scene. Everything about his he, 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 in the Garden he, of Eden he, at the he, end. Yeah. Oh my God. With the hey, shotgun when he in the through. Garden of Eden, baby. And he meets the blind woman and like just the hor- the horrifying yeah. the horrifying like you just watch. Watching him there, and when he takes his nails into the dash of his car and rips it back, yeah. when because he, he's imagining she's having an affair, yeah. I was like, "This is it. This is who I'm picking for sure." <laughs> I had to watch it because I, I was like, I, "I'm I, so excited!" I, 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 so many people recommended it, and it was yeah. on my list this week, so I watched it. But I loved it. Hooray so, for you! There you go, buddy. You win the week. I have two fun facts, and then I'll shut up. And no, hit me. I, love uh, Man, I can wh- talk Manhunter all day. Um, you know a guy named Ted Levine, Buffalo Bill. Oh, wait, oh, wait. We're she, we're she, are you are you a size six? Will you help me get the? You have no idea what pain is. I'm sorry. You know I could go on about Silence of the Lambs forever. A then unknown Ted Levine came to the rap party of this movie Manhunter. Mm. I want you to remember that came to the rap party of Manhunter to visit William Peterson, an old friend. It's all coming together. Yeah. You see, a chance meeting with the writer and director Michael Mann led to an audition and his subsequent casting in Mann's Crime Story movie crime story 1986 levine had his breakout performance as buffalo bill in the second adaptation of dr hannibal lecter thus this meeting is what led to it how amazing is that that's pretty freaking cool i thought that was incredible uh last cool thing during the filming of this movie during the filming of manhunter anthony hopkins was playing king lear at the national theater seems like an irrelevant point right seems like an anthony hopkins yeah, thing yeah. to do during the filming of Silence of the Lambs, Brian Cox was playing King Lear at the National Theater. How wild is that? Does that blow your mind yeah, a little yeah. bit? All right, that's all I got. I'll shut up. So Manhunter for me. Proud of you. The Tooth Fairy. That's my you that's my it. human. Human. <laughs> what do you got, Max? The Hitcher, 1986. You ever seen it? I've not seen The Hitcher. Oh my God. So it is freaky. It's 1986. It's Rutger Hauer, you know, the bad guy from Blade Runner. Yep. yep. The gi- giant imposing blonde dude. Yeah, yeah. It's, Don't it's, forget Lady Hawk. Oh, yeah. 
I don't like Lady Gaga. I don't either. Yeah. You and I have talked, and people hate us for it, but go ahead. So it's got the perfect premise. It's just a young man who's C. Thomas Howe, by the way. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Stalked by a murderous hitcher who is framing him for his horrible crimes. And it's just, he's just messing with him the whole time. You have no backstory on this John Ryder guy. Even when the cops find him, they're like, no ID. His fingerprints aren't on the system. And they ask him where he's from. He just goes, Disneyland, and just smiles. And he's like threatening C. Thomas Howe, who's playing Jim. You know, we talk a lot about C. Thomas Howe. Yeah. Well, he's a big part of the 80s. Uh, the Outsiders, USA. Granville. USA and Red Dawn. Yeah, Wolverine. Yeah. I just think of the three. We talk about it all the time. Go ahead. Sorry. So I don't think anyone better personifies unexplained evil than mm-hmm. Rutger Hauer in this movie. He has those eyes and he's menacing, but he can be charming. He's talking about cutting people's limbs off and leaving them on the side of the road. Whenever they ask him, like, where are you going? He doesn't respond. <laughs> I swear to God, there's some Heath Ledger Joker in this. Where it's like, he has this power. He doesn't care what anyone else does. Yeah. He's going to do it himself. Like, even when he gets caught by the cops, he just ends up killing a whole station of cops and just sure. walking out. Sure. And they put him in an armored truck, gets out, shoots a helicopter. I'm going to have to watch this. It's, this sounds, sounds wild. It's horrifying. <laughs> and it's well shot. And the way he kills people is so gnarly. So... Jim has a kind of friend in this movie. It's uh, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Her name's Nash. He ties her up to the back of a truck and puts the truck in neutral or, you know, like the clutch is off kind of thing. So they can't shoot him or else he'll put his foot off the clutch and she'll get ripped in half. <laughs> and like, he just doesn't care. It's very saw. And, yeah. And they, Jim later asked him, like, why are you doing this to me? And he just looks at him like dead in the eye with these dead eyes. Like, you know, the guy we know, Dragon, who used to look at you with the <laughs> Can we not talk about Dragon? <laughs> so how you feel about Hellraiser is how I feel talking about Dragon. Okay. But he looks at him dead in the eye and goes, you're a smart boy. Figure it out. And it's never explained. I'm excited. I'm going to watch this. Entertainment Weekly's 19th scariest movie of all time. Oh. Yeah. Right. And Rutger Hauer did most of his own stunt driving and almost played by Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott would have been so wild. yeah so Sam Elliott scared one of the producers so much the producer was scared to go to his car that night <laughs> but he had a scheduling conflict that's why he couldn't do it oh he's doing Roadhouse too <laughs> I don't know maybe he's doing Prancer <laughs> oh, such yeah. good and also this is Christopher Nolan one of his favorite movies oh yeah I do like Christopher Nolan yeah. all right well we just covered favorite human let's move to this is a good one too it's unfortunate that I'm night Shyamalan is not in the 80s <laughs> because he would be perfect for this favorite plot twist twist we like though twist yeah it's got to be one we like i'm gonna let you go first on this one all right favorite twist what do you got i can't do it no you can't do it well i don't say it right i do that's better yeah it's it's jason (laughs) friday the 13th (laughs) it's jason on the boat there you go yeah Uh, it's a long one Usually I start tapping out at no, 40 minutes. We're you're, you, you lasted longer. <laughs> we're an hour in before you started getting all wacky on me. So you're good. <laughs> it's Jason in the boat at the end. It's so unexpected. I mean, if you haven't seen Friday the 13th, a group of camp counselors are stalked and murdered by an unknown killer while they try to open a summer camp where a child had drowned. Crystal Lake. Yeah. And there had been a double murder years before. And... I don't know, just knowing the whole Jason legacy before I saw these movies, I thought he was going to be the killer. It's his mom, you know, just macheting people, you know, left and right. And you don't, I'm like, where the heck is Jason? You know, I mean, they talk about him all the time. Is he even going to be in this movie? At the end, she escapes and she's just on the lake by herself. It's serene. You think she's going to be fine. And then out of nowhere comes this like, half mummified black body out of the lake and just pulls her down. And then she wakes up in the hospital and you're like, did that actually happen? And I guess they originally filmed it like it was going to be a dream sequence, but they're like, no, 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 it's real. And it's just a terrifying ending. Yeah. It just freaks me out. Well, it sets the stage for one of the longest running horror film franchises ever outside of Nightmare on Elm Street did, and Halloween. Did they have any idea that, I, you know, on some of these movies, I don't know. This you know, like, cost $550,000 right. and made $40 million. It's rare to see large budgets for horror films. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, less than it was back then, but all of these were 
half million million dollar budgets that all of a sudden made like 30 fold what they were you know originally doing so that's it's incredible i love it you, you, you love friday the 13th. i like i like friday the 13th really my favorite scene Kevin bacon my favorite scene ever from a friday the 13th movie is oh god i won't even remember what one but i used to always in my head think like after so many of these movies, don't you think like the government would send in like help to you said, take you said him Freddy down? Freddie versus Jason. That might have been. It was, you talked to the Caleb about this in Horror Soup. No, it wasn't Freddie versus Jason. It was the one. I don't remember. I think it might have been the one before that. But anyways, basically they have a decoy FBI agent who like is taking a shower oh. in a camp and like it's the classic scene, right? Like yeah. and and then when he chases her, she runs and trips in the forest and then he goes into an opening and like the US military is there with giant lights. That's how the whole movie starts off. That's cool. And they blow him up. Yeah. And then the guy's doing like an autopsy on him and his heart starts beating and the guy eats his heart and then turns into Jason. It, oh, was, God. it was weird. Yeah. yeah. It was gross watching me eat the heart. All right, Max, I'm gonna give you mine. Uh this is a movie that I think is probably popular with the Caleb's of the world, but you'll be surprised that I watched it. It is not one of my favorite horror films. It is my favorite. Oh my God. Plot twist. It's stunning to me. Sleepaway camp. Have you seen sleepaway camp? No. 1983 written and directed by Robert Hiltzik. Sure. I want to say Hiltzik. A horrible boating accident kills her family. Shy, sullen Angela moves in with her eccentric aunt, Martha and protective cousin, Ricky. One summer, Martha sends the kids to camp Arawak. Soon after their arrival, bizarre, increasingly violent accidents claim the lives of various campers. Who is the twisted individual behind these murders? The disclosure of the murderer's identity is one of the most shocking climaxes in the history of American cinema. What? Yeah. Yeah. Who is it? Like God? No. So this movie is so bonkers. It's really, really. Have you seen Wet Hot American, American summer? summer? I've seen the show since then. This almost feels like the horror version of it. It's just, it's a little outrageous. It's got all of the classic 80s, like meatballs, summer camp tropes to yep. it. So the movie starts off, this girl, Angela, goes to summer camp with her cousin, Ricky. They get to camp and it's like standard stuff, right? There's the girl who matured a little bit quicker than everyone else. Jean all the boys, Yeah, playing, like paying attention to all the boys. There's all the boys that are being jerks. Everybody's being mean. It takes a lot of hard right turns. Like the first murder that takes place, um, Angela isn't eating anything. She's very shy. So the, one of the head counselors, who by the way, looks like a young, thin version of Lou Ferrigno. He is jacked, Weird. jacked. He's wearing like a sleeveless shirt and like biker shorts yep. and he's jacked. He takes her to the the kitchen introduces her to the cook and is like find her something nice to eat the cook takes her into a closet and almost assaults her okay. and like ricky like catches him assaulting her and pulls him out and then a few minutes later the cook is cooking in a giant pot and is pushed into the pot and you don't see who pushes him okay so this theme happens throughout the whole it's like final movie. destination stuff it's no it's it's nothing like final destination <laughs> <laughs> thank you though the whole movie is basically people who are being mean to angela and her cousin ricky shows up to like save her and gets like super pissed off about it. And then two scenes later, the person that was being mean to Angela dies. So you immediately assume like that Ricky is the one that's dealing with this. Yep. The opening scene of the movie, it's Angela, her brother and their dad in the water. And it's a boating accident. The very end of the movie, she's making out with this boy who like, cheated on her with the girl but she like let her back and the counselors run over and they're like Angela Angela and then all of a sudden Angela there's blood everywhere you think they're making out Angela has a knife and Angela stands up <laughs> naked okay completely naked I mean you can see her male genitalia because Angela is in fact Pete and when Pete survived that accident the brother yeah. and went to the aunt's house there's a whole scene where the aunt's like well i already have a son and ever since my husband left so i'm gonna make you a girl you're gonna be a girl now and raises her as a girl 
and it's insane. Okay. <laughs> Max, you're, the look that you're giving me right now is the look I was giving the TV when I was watching this. It's insane. Did you know about this movie before? I, I knew of the movie from the genre. Yeah. I had no idea about the plot <laughs> twist. So here's why I watched it. I Googled most insane, most insane 80s horror film plot twist, but I didn't read the why. Yep. But this came up in like every list. I was like, I'm just going to, this is like a week ago. I go, I'm just going to watch it. By the end of it, I was like, oh wow. Did you like throw your remote? You're I was like, like this is outrageous. It's horrifying. It's it's really, it's campy and silly with like twists of really horrifying, awful moments. But that twist is too much to pass up on. You ruined it for me now. I did. And anybody else. So yeah. Spoiler alert. This movie made 30 times what it cost to make. And this Robert guy who made it, this is the camp he actually went to when he was a kid. And in the movie, it says it's a tribute. Did they sue him? No, they said it's a tribute to his mom. His mom passed away shortly before the filming of this and left him an inheritance, which is what paid for 90% of the making of this movie. I don't know if she'd be happy. And I don't know that he did anything else. I think he did like a couple sequels or unlicensed sequels or I don't know, but that's it. That's this movie is bonkers. You went weird with a lot of your picks. This one in particular. All right. That takes us to our last two. Scariest moment. Boo. Favorite scariest moment. Not to be confused with scariest movie. So this is just a moment in a movie that was your like, whoa, my God, that got me good. Yep. Too much. Uh, uh, We'll start with you, Max. What is your favorite scariest moment? Well, you stole my thunder already by picking this movie. I did? Yeah. The Thing. 1982. Oh, all right. All right. I mean, everyone knows what the movie is about now, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the dog. Although, you know, what we didn't talk about is the scariest part of this movie is Wilford Brimley without a mustache. <laughs> it's, it is. It, every time it is I genre, see him, it yeah. makes me so uncomfortable it's to a, look it's at It's horrifying. Him. But he's got the chest hair, though. Yeah. It's nice. You, you and your weird <laughs> things, but continue. It's the dog dog scene, the dog face open. Really? Oh, my God. Because you're not expecting it. The dog's face peels open, and then the skull of the dog. F- See, the blood testing. I think the blood testing is the more, like, jump back in your seat That's scary. more tense. Yeah. But something about the dog's freaking out, and also that when that dog's head flips open, I, th- I thought it was a real dog. It didn't look like a mechanical dog. I looked at it back and forth for, like, five, six times. Yeah, yeah. Still couldn't tell. God, that movie's so good, man. It's so creepy, and it's like all the other dogs are whining. Even one of them's trying to be- bite the metal, and you're like, get that, out. You know, that, I will tell you, that scene when he's, like, trying to, like, cut the hole out and yeah. he's biting, I'm like, God, that is, like, how they even do that, Yeah, right? the, it's like shooting purple goop at them. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, I hope this isn't acid <laughs> melting him. And then the tentacles come out of it, and then also the, like, the spider legs with, like, the weird kind of uh, bumps like on veiny them. bumps. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, oh. it, yeah. And when they finally see it all and they're like, it climbs up onto the thing and just escapes. Yeah. And even Keith David, who's the baddest dude on the planet, has a flamethrower. He's stunned. Can't even do anything. Can't even do anything. Frozen. If frozen. Keith David's freaked out, I'm losing my mind in a movie. Oh, if the Max. biggest, scariest guy in a movie freaks out, I'm losing it. The thing is, I, I, I like I told you, I really put it up there yeah. on my top three, top five overall film list. I'm kind of surprised. I'm not surprised you picked that scene, but there's a lot of like, like jump moments that you get, but I get it. I mean, that's a terrifying movie and it's, it makes sense. Yeah. And do you know who did the special effects for this scene actually? Mm-mm. Rob Bottin did most of the special effects, but he was burnt out by the time this time in the movie. Stan Winston and his team <laughs> took over and did this. Good scene. old Stan. Yeah. Why don't you tell everybody who Stan Winston is? I mean, Aliens, The Predator. The Predator. That's the only one you yeah. need yeah. knows. Yeah. The Predator. That, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. And also, this movie had a fifteen million dollar budget, and it shows. Like yeah. they spent a ton of money. But on I mean, it. it was it was a flop. It was an incredible flop. I know. But now it's like in the annals of history. Oh yeah. 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 And also, it took Kurt Russell an entire year to grow that glorious beard. <laughs> You love a good beard. It, is that not the best beard of all time? It's a good one. Yeah. Um, Name a better beard. I don't have a better. No, that's not true. <laughs> Sounds like a good game show. Stallone and Rocky Four. No. Yeah, for sure. That's like a sweaty Italian. Nope. nope, nope two nope, weeks. No. Nope. Shaven. No. Nope. I don't know where I'm going. Why, why are you being anti-Italian? We have a lot of Italian he, listeners. He's got a. Oh, he's just got an Italian beard. 
I love putting on your heels of that. I uh, can't wait to get hate mail for that. All right. So uh, my scariest moment when there are children involved, that it just, this, it does. There's just this like really terrifying element. Like I, it's interesting. I didn't pick the shining for anything on here. And I think the reason I didn't pick the shining is because I love it and it's a great movie, but it's not like one of my favorite horror films. And I, I, I would get a lot of, you know, pushback from classic horror loving people, but like the two girls in the hallway, that was my backup. Yeah. Like that scene. Yeah. And then it's like, he's flashing between them and when they've been murdered by their dad in the hallway, like that gets me. But this gets me more. Poltergeist, 1982, uh, directed by Toby Hooper, who also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Although there's a theory that this is actually directed by Steven Spielberg. Really? So Spielberg did the screenplay for this. He wrote the screenplay, he did like a 10-page treatment, and he actually went after Stephen King to try to write it, and Stephen King asked for too much money, so he just did it himself. Got it. They wouldn't let him do E.T. and Poltergeist at the same time. They wouldn't let him work on both, but he spent a lot of time on the set of Poltergeist, and he had a lot <laughs> of influence, so it's, it's- It's like your hands are on the, the camera, but there's, I'm holding yeah, him. Well, there's a, it's, yeah, it's basically <laughs> questioned whether there was more him, but anyways, a young family are visited by ghosts in their home. At first, the ghosts appear friendly, moving objects around the house to the amusement of everyone, and then they turn nasty and start to terrorize the family before they kidnap the youngest daughter. Take the word kidnap youngest daughter out of this, and it sounds like Beetlejuice. It's not like Beetlejuice <laughs> at all, but there's a scene in this movie when there's a thunderstorm and all the kids get into bed. Three kids get into bed with their parents. There's a lot of terrifying scenes in the movie. The, 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 cl the clown doll is terrifying, but there's a scene in this movie in particular where they all three get into bed and Carol Ann, uh, who is the youngest girl, gets out of bed. And earlier in the movie, we saw this as well, where the television was that like, this is old back in the eighties, right? When there was no more programming at the end of the night, it would just go to a blurry screen, Sure, but it's like strobe lighting the blurry screen. I remember. Yeah. And there's a scene where they're all in bed and the little girl goes up to the TV and she's like looking at it and it's making weird movements. And this specter hand comes out of the TV. Max, the effects on this aren't even that good. It scares the absolute hell out of me. <laughs> and after that, she just turns around and looks at her family and does the famous line, they're here. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, I think the whole thing is terrifying. Like, it makes me uncomfortable to watch. Like, I still, even when I just rewatched Poltergeist last week, I'm like, this is absolutely horrifying to me. So, a couple fun things. The rating this originally got was R, but Spielberg contested it. He's like, I don't make R-rated movies. So, they, <laughs> I think they changed it eventually. And Drew Barrymore auditioned for this as well, but Spielberg said, you're way better for E.T. And that's how she got bumped to E.T. Oh, that so, works. But Poltergeist for me, they're here. Yeah. Yeah, that's, just, that's good. And the hand popping out. just blah. <laughs> All right, Max, this takes us to the final category. Signature kill. Signature, our favorite signature kill. So look, there are tons of kills. <laughs> what is your favorite signature kill? The one kill in, in the movie. Again, it doesn't have to be your favorite movie, but the kill is just chef's kiss. <laughs> so this is interesting. Is it my favorite that I enjoy watching or is it that it's the most memorable to me? Yes. Okay. So this one grossed me out. I hate watching it. I had to rewatch it like three or four times. Yeah. I hated every moment of it, but it's like the one thing that sticks with me. I think about this every day since I've seen this movie. <laughs> I know it's weird. I believe that you think about it every day too. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, Debbie, The Weightlifting, Cockroach oh, Motel. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it's a great call. Kill. It's awful. What, it's, what is it about this? It's because- it's, no, no. it's the Cronenberg effect. I'm telling you, it's a little bit of the Cronenberg so effect. So it's the unexpected Cronenberg effect. I yes. Think. So first of all, 1988- 
Another Freddy movie. This one made the most money out of all the Freddy movies. Really? 49 million. Right, yeah. Right. So Freddy terrorizes the Dream Warriors, and there's this one girl that can stop him, and he's going to try to stop her first. Sure. Makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> Who cares? It's Freddy movie. It's Freddy movie, yeah. yeah. This was the number two ranked death for top 10 Freddy kills on WatchMojo.com. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to WatchMojo. <laughs> <laughs> but poor Debbie. So she's weightlifting, and Freddy's spotting her. <laughs> and she just wants to do a nice chest press set. She was healthy. She wants to be in shape. She wants to be able to, you know, take on the world. I, I find your description of this to be more horrifying than the scene. I just want you to know that, but continue. <laughs> she cracks her fingers. Freddy spots her and Fr she yells at Freddy. She goes, I don't believe in you. He goes, I believe in you, <laughs> which is like a weird, you know, fitness exercise. Like you can do it thing, but in reverse. And then her arm shatter. They, they, they bend the wrong way yeah. uh -oh. and her elbow split. Yeah. And she, you know, she's like one of those inflatable tube mans just flailing out. And you think it's going to be a weightlifting death. You know, I mean, he's going to like put some dumbbells on her head and her eyes are going to explode out. You yeah. know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then out of her elbows Ugh. comes this squishy, I, I know the scene. slimy. It's so gross. Whoever did the sound effects for this, it's that squishy living noise mm -hmm. of bug and insects mm -hmm. and these gnarly, gigantic bug arms with yeah. like multiple uh, mandibles. Mandibles, yes. Just come out. And Freddy's laughing at her. And she's walking down this corridor. And while this is happening, Alice is like, we got to go and save her. You know what I mean? She's getting in the car. I didn't realize this. In the movie, they do the dream sequences with repeat. Like, they do the same scene over and over again. So Alice gets into the car like two or three times. So it's kind of jarring. You're not sure, like, what's dream and what's real. Yeah. Because of how, how it feels in a dream. Right, right. And finally, Debbie gets stuck in this goo. And you're like, what is going on? And her face gets peeled off. And she's a complete roach. But she still has a human female voice screaming. And they zoom out. And it's Freddy holding the Roach Motel box. And he just, and then he goes, you can check in, but you can't check out. And squeezes it. Goo comes everywhere. And I wanted to throw my laptop. It's just disgusting. Yeah. I agree with you. I this is a good pick. Uh, I of all of his kills, that one, that one, and when he's like a worm and he's like eating her body, that one doesn't bother me so much. Uh, it's just the squishiness of it is grosses me. The out. eating one bothers me. Oh yeah, that's really gross too. God, yeah. you're right. He's got a lot of good ones. Yeah, oh, that's or, a good call. When he's eating the fa them as a pepperoni pizza. Yeah. Uh, oh, all right. All right. <laughs> I gotta. All right. I'm ready to move on. Let's go. All right. We are ready to close out the episode with my pick for signature kill. I have no idea what you're doing. This will catch you off guard. 1984 Children of the Corn. Oh, okay. You, you don't like children. Uh, I don't like transformation. You don't like children. Yeah, children scenes, are, they freak me out. Because I don't so, want to change, and you don't want your kids to grow up. Directed, directed by Fritz Kirsch. Sure, maybe. Based on a short story by Stephen King. Uh, George Goldsmith cleaned it up. Had to lighten it up a little bit. Stephen <laughs> King's version was even worse and more Seriously? dark. Yeah, it was way darker than this. And like at the end, like the good guys don't make it out okay. <laughs> like it's not, it was very dark. I don't even know how to explain this movie. It's terrifying. Basically, a cult overtakes a town. And in the cult, the cult leaders, um, Isaac and Malachi, which are terrifying names. Horrible names. Convince all of the children in the town that they need to kill all the parents. And so on Bloody Sunday, this murder takes place. So now as they move on and progress, there's a special ceremony on every child's 19th birthday where they're sacrificed to the corn god, whatever the corn god oh is. My god. It's awful. The whole thing's terrifying. It's terrifying for a host of reasons. The kid aspect of it, the, the way it's shot, then when they're in the cornfield, you hear giggling of children, Ugh. which I think is like terrifying to me as well. Do they have a good corn crop though? Yeah. Okay. The corn looks healthy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So Bert, Bert and Vicky, uh, Vicky played by Linda Hamilton of Terminator, which by the way, there's a fantastic tip of the hat to Terminator in this movie. Really? I think they both came out right around the same time. Yeah. And when Vicky played by Linda Hamilton meets one of the young children who's like 
there's a, a brother and sister that like need to be saved and they're not brainwashed. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah, something like that. She kneels down and says, "What's your name?" And the girl says, "Sarah." Oh, and and Linda Hamilton. Well, no, Linda Hamilton says, "What a beautiful name," which is a nod to Sarah Connor from yeah. Terminator. So I thought that was cool. There's stuff in this movie like the evil spirit monster is like underground. Remember in Tremors when like, would, Tremors. yeah, when it would move and like, you'd see the ground move. Like yep. this is even like more staggering. So they, they developed this way to do it, which I thought was cool. It was called the turtle. So it was a wheelbarrow flipped upside down, added wheels on it. And then the device was in rails in a trench and they had a pulley system and they put dirt on it. So it would look like it was like a monster crawling under the ground, which was nuts. It was just so, have you seen children of the corn? No, no, you need to see it. So the opening of this movie is my signature kill. It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. The breakfast massacre. Oh my God. Okay. Job goes to this little diner with his dad. They just got out of church. Job is narrating this. So it's a little kid voice narrating this. He's like, we just finished going to church like we normally do and went up to get breakfast. So Job's dad goes to the payphone because Sarah's at home and Sarah has a terrible fever. She's very sick. So the dad calls the mom to check on Sarah. Sarah also has the gift. So she draws pictures of things that are going to happen in the future. Oh, psychic stuff. A little bit. So Job's sitting up at the counter. I think they're all biblical names, which is terrifying. Isaac Malachi, which by the way, Isaac looks exactly like Arya Stark. Really? Yeah. Like, and it's a guy yeah. and he was like 24 years old playing like an 11 year old, but he looks like Arya Stark when you, I'll show you the picture. It's funny. What do we say to death today? Oh, the, the many faces. We say, okay, because the children are coming. Yeah. So dad goes to the payphone, and all of a sudden these children start coming into the diner. And they like smile and everything seems fine. Are they wearing their hats? No, no, hold on. Uh And so you see from Job's perspective, he's like watching all this stuff happen. And then a couple teenagers take out this powder and put it in coffee. And then you see like these like farming knives, the half circle knives. And all of a sudden people start choking and dying. And then all these kids that are in the diner just start gutting people. Literally every adult in there gets their throat slit. They grab the cook stick his hand into like a food processor or like a meat slicer. And it's terrifying. Are they enjoying it? Are they kind of like stoic stoic? And that's why it's terrifying there. And and so like, that's the beginning. So that takes place. And then it cuts to like, I assume not very much further because the kids look about the same age. And that's where you have these, these outsiders, these interlopers accidentally come into town. One of the kids is trying to escape and Linda Hamilton and her boyfriend hit him with a car. He's already been knifed by Malachi in the cornfields. This movie is terrifying. I don't like this. It's, it's a bunch of psychopathic kids murdering and, and drinking blood. And yeah, but that, that scene, the diner massacre to me is like my signature kill. I got nothing. You look jarred. You, you want to talk about Hellraiser again? You should have your kids dressed like them. Well, there you go. For Halloween. Yeah. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Uh, Max, that wraps up today's episode. And it also leads us perfectly to my favorite part of the episode. You know it. I say it. The Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight. Very, very special guest on our Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight today, Max. My man friend. The one, the only, Max's secret boyfriend that's not a secret, Caleb from Horror Soup and Scream! Exclamation mark. He's got purple hair. Caleb, and if you've listened to our show, you heard the Nightmare on Elm Street episodes we just rolled out. We have known Caleb for a long time. Super, super nice guy. Caleb is the mad scientist of this stuff. Yeah. Like, you look at his letterbox, it's like he reviews the movies and puts paragraph after paragraph into thought after thought about stuff. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. He had this whole thing about, I love it, but I hate it. And he analyzed why for like three paragraphs. I have to say, though, the one knock against Caleb. What? He doesn't like the Lost Boys. That's in true. In fact, he hates it. Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy. But 
Other than that, I agree with everything you said. You can find Caleb at Horse Soup, uh, which is his primary podcast. And then the one that he's doing with two other people, you can find at Scream Podcast. And uh, check him out because he's got great googly boogity stuff. (laughs) Scary boogie stuff. Uh, Let's see what Caleb had to say. Hello, friends at Buzz in the Tower. I am Caleb from Scream with an exclamation point and Horror Soup, both horror movie podcasts not focused on the 80s. But right now I'm going to talk to you about some 80s horror movie villain origin stories. So I could actually talk about 80s horror movies all day. But since I'm going to sit around right now and specifically talk about a origin story, I'm going to pick one of the most interesting in my eyes. And that would have to be Eric Freeman, a.k.a. Ricky from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. So Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is a very interesting movie. The original movie was about uh, Santa Claus gone bad, and that is just me shortening the story a lot. But basically, Santa Claus also had a brother, and Santa Claus uh, goes through some unfortunate events toward the end of the movie. And in the sequel, his brother kind of takes up the mantle. It starts out with... um. There's no other way to put this. 45 minutes of the original movie because the budget was so low and then also got cut after it was already incredibly low that the director um, was told by producers that he had to just cut around the first movie and kind of pop it in as like flashback. But that ended up being just basically the first 45 minutes of the movie with a little bit of Eric Freeman sprinkled in. And (laughs) what that makes for is a very entertaining movie. Eyebrows galore, raising eyebrows, um, a dude running around, pretty much taking his brother's mantle as a killer Santa Claus. He destroys a lot of people, he makes a lot of really weird jokes and gestures, and all around it is a fun time. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 came out in 1987, and it is kind of a gem in the B-movie community when it comes to horror movies because it is easily one of the most outlandish things you will ever watch. And that is probably my favorite horror villain origin story from the 80s. And I just want to say uh, thank you so much, Buzz and the Dower, for giving me a couple minutes to talk about things that I like talking about. Thanks, guys. See you later. Well, we have to add a movie to our list because I know you haven't seen this and I know I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the first one either. Yeah. I want to see both of those. Well, it sounds like we only need to see one. You had me at Killer Santa Claus. (laughs) It's, uh, so that's kind of what's fun about all this is that we get to watch these movies that I've either heard of or I haven't heard of or I just, you know, expand your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Never in a million years would I have known about this. No. We've introduced you to a lot of horror films. This is all new for you. Yeah, I'm freaked out. You are. I'm gonna have Hellraiser dreams tonight. All right, well, with that in mind, let's wrap things up here. As always, Thank you for listening. Follow, subscribe, rate, review. Podcast is on everything from Amazon to what else? Max? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Amazon Music. Yeah, you Facebook, name it. It's there. Everything. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your parents' friends, tell your friends' parents' friends. You can pick and, your nose, you can pick your friends, but, but you don't can't pick, pick your, your friends' nose. Niner. Instant gratification for Max and I would be social media. Pop on there as well. Follow us leave a review and really uh, don't forget to keep your eyes on Instagram because we're going to have the Max Watches Hellraiser post coming out real no! soon in which we need how many likes did I say? 2,000. 2,000 likes and now that we're in the 10,000 club we're, followers we're so, it should be easy. We're still going to get it. Yeah we are for sure. People don't like you. I got nothing else Max have a spectacular spooky October. Any closing thoughts? You usually crush these. You knock them out of the park. What do you got? What's your closing thought for this episode? Stay away from me Pinhead. Uh, okay. Yeah he's scary. That's good. That's good. Mine's- he even said he's not the most scary one. The blob uh, one sounded scary. You know, I'll, I'm going to give you one that oh, I know. Oh, no, the one with the teeth. 
the pulled back. I'm, I'm going to give you one that I know you love. Don't turn me into a bug is the general theme of this movie That's and this a, show. It's, That'd I'm, be a good auto, autobiography. Don't turn me into a bug. Here's my close for Max Anderson. You ready? Let's do it. Goodbye, Max. Bad inventions. I'll see you next week. Later. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.